0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. What is Moondog? Moondog Makers and Bakers is not just a catering company. It's a tradition with innovation and something familiar just done differently. You get a taste of what they're truly all about. You can order some awesome merch, crafted spice blends, or request catering for your very own event. MoondogMakersAndBakers.com.
1: What is up on a Monday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us once again. A packed show today. A, a whole lot to get into. I'm not even sure where to start. Um, we'll have a recap of kind of the Ole NCA NCAA tournament game and kind of what happened there. or Maybe what didn't happen is a better way to describe <laughs> it. The uh, first round as a whole um, really does mean... We're recording this on Sunday night, as you know, the UCF Duke game just finished up not too long ago. The the round of thirty two has been fantastic,
0: yeah. Um, it has.
1: And we'll get into some old Miss baseball. They're uh, they're in trouble. Um, the Rebels lose two Put it Riley. at Missouri, squander a pretty good pitching performance from Will Etheridge on um, Friday night. Looks like they found something with Doug Niekse, which seems like it might have happened a weekend too late. And yep. then Hoagland continues to struggle on Sunday. Some interesting moves through a rain delay as far as Ole Miss pitching.
0: We'll get into all that, of that. That, that the adjective you're going to use is interesting. Well, we've
1: got more time <laughs> to get into it. But for now, Colin, how are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. You're back in
1: Oxford. I'm sure you're glad to be back, right? I am. So I was supposed to obviously when you go on those things, you have to like you have to plan for a you know, fr- I mean, if you're a Friday Monday game, you have to plan to come back. Or Friday Sunday, you have to plan to come back Monday or whatever. So, I skipped the last leg of my flight, rode back with my good friend Ben Garrett. Um, was actually glad to be back Saturday. I needed to. I needed to get. So, some when stuff did y'all leave? Friday
0: here. night or Saturday morning?
1: Saturday morning. Ben want Ben called me. Of course, typical Ben calls me at six thirty on Friday night. Is like, hey man, would it be crazy if we left right now? I was like, dude, let's just wake up in the morning and go. And it's all a <laughs> seven and a half hour drive. But glad to be back. Everything went fine. Um, I had a bar tab get out of control on Thursday night. But other than that, everything went, everything went okay. <laughs> um, I enjoyed Columbia. Did, did a, the credit it, card run? It did. It ran. But only because it was a credit card. Um <laughs> and, but um other than that it was it was fun i enjoyed columbia it was, i'd never been there knew very little about it it was a really cool place it was a nice little downtown area some really nice place to go eat fantastic arena i know they built that obviously not just for south carolina because that's what a 19,000 scene arena they built it to be a multi-purpose thing it's close to downtown really cool setup they had there um the NCAA tournament is a cool thing. So it reminds me of like the a conference tournament but obviously with like a more wide variety of teams there. Um and then obviously just kind of a different feeling cuz it's a little bit bigger of a stage but I, I thought it was a cool setup they had there. It was it was a cool thing.
0: Yeah yeah, uh, yeah. It, it it looked like a nice setup to like quit watching with about 12 minutes left in the <laughs> first half. Well
1: I, that's when I started writing. So uh <laughs> we both were kind of not watching. So I guess we'll get in. We'll start there, and then we'll kind of expand on just some general observations in the first round. There wasn't a whole lot to to really harp on on the first round. Um, yeah, Ole Miss gets shellacked. What ninety five fifty two, I believe, was the final. No, ninety five seventy two. Give give them 72-72, no, Excuse me, seventy two. <laughs> um, offense played well. It played well enough. Um, wasn't always efficient. They took some bad shots, but I agree. It was it was good enough. Look, that was one of those games where I think the matchup was un- the matchup it being a bad matchup in the post was undersold because of yeah. Oklahoma's inconsistency as a basketball team through the Big 12, right? The five game losing streak, the playing pretty much 500 ball over the last month and a half, two months. I think that was undersold. Because you could tell from the first media timeout on when Doolittle scored two baskets on Dom. He brings Bruce in. Kermit calls timeout, 80 seconds in the game, brings Bruce in. Bruce fares no better against their undersized bigs. I mean, it was you could tell from that point on it, they didn't really stand much of a chance, I'll be honest.
0: Yeah, I mean, and well, you knew it was going to have to take a special offensive performance because you knew that, that stops were going to be limited. Um, Ole Miss doesn't really rebound the ball that well on on Friday. I think they get out rebounded. So yeah, it was it was. I guess it was unfortunate just to to kind of see that the way that season ended. But in in saying that, I mean, you know, there wasn't a whole lot that Ole Miss could do from a matchup standpoint. Bruce and and just couldn't couldn't stay with those big guys from Oklahoma. It just felt like every time Oklahoma took a shot, it was a high percentage shot. And give them credit, they made they made plenty of them.
1: They shot fifty-eight percent for the game and turned the basketball over four times for the game. They averaged twelve a game.
0: They shot fifty-seven percent in the first and second half, so there was no regression to the mean. Uh
1: Only sixty-one rebounds to be had between the two teams total in the game. That means one team is not missing. (laughs) Um, It only (laughs) shoots forty-seven percent from the field as a team. That's obviously not horrible. Um, No, but look, I mean. Doolittle. It, it wasn't just their bigs. They have it wasn't just their undersized posts. They have a six five guard, six six or six four guard, six six guard in Bienemy and Manic and J ja- no cool well, Christian James. Because Manic's, I oh, think, yeah. technically considered a forward. So it wasn't just a bad matchup there, but like Ole Miss just didn't stand a chance. I mean, when you Dom cannot guard the perimeter whatsoever, and you had you had times where Christian Doolittle would catch it in the low block. Or somewhere between the baseline and free throw line extended and dribble it out to the perimeter to face Dom up and then go by him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that uh, really was happening. I mean, and then, yeah. you know, um, I, is it Odoms? I don't, Richard uh, Odoms? I don't yeah. run Odoms. Okay. It's kept saying that wrong the whole game. All, all that matters, I could spell it in the writing. That's he right. was a nightmarish matchup for them. And that's one of those other bigger guards that they didn't, he had 20. Christian James had twenty. Doolittle had nineteen, and Manic had eighteen. I, I mean, if that doesn't really sum it up, I don't know what does. I mean,
0: no, I mean, they just could not stay with those guys. Uh, you couldn't really go zone because they're shooting the dickens out of it. So yeah, it was it was a tough night on defense, and it was it was a little bit miserable to watch because you just knew that. Like, you know, usually Ole Miss cut it to 12 uh, right at the beginning of the second half. And a 12-point game with, with 18 and a half minutes left, is that's not undoable by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, Tennessee blew a 25-point lead in the second half today. Um, but you knew that Ole Miss was never going to be able to get enough stops to even get competitive again.
1: Yeah, and that's – I mean, you mentioned it a second ago. That's really where the game turned. Because Ole Miss probably would have had a chance to limit the penetration by do little – and Manic and a couple of those other guys if they had gone zone. But once Oklahoma started shooting the ball the way they did, and you just kind of have to tip your hat to them at that point, Ole Miss really had no chance because if you go zone, they're just going to shoot you out of it, and there's not not a ton they could have done. So nah. a, a, a tough and frustrating game for the Rebels. I mean, it was just one of those where it wasn't much of a game after the first couple of minutes. Ole Miss starts the second half okay. I, mean, I purposefully like stayed play.
0: away from, from content. What did Kerman have to say after the game?
1: Um, he was, I mean, he, basically what we're saying that, you know, they just they didn't have much of an answer for them offensively. But, look, he was almost in a way, like, not, not that he, obviously he didn't want to lose the game. Right. But in a way it was vindicating for him where he was, I mean, you kind of look at it, he got that basketball team to the tournament with that <laughs> type of post play. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's.
0: Worst a, post play in the SEC?
1: I see i don't I, I i don't know because i don't like was missouri really that good down low I, fair enough I, yeah I it's technically a, it's a,
0: auburn's not that great down low either but doesn't really matter
1: yeah so you know i, I, I yeah, you know, there wasn't much old miss can do but overall the season was an overwhelming success, success for them to yeah. get to the ncaa tournament year one look it sent um it sent Terrence Davis out on the right note. You got to see the kid finally play. He played
0: well, which was good for him.
1: Yeah, in an NCAA tournament, which in November, it looked like he was clearly going four years without playing in one. Um, You know, it, it expedited what many thought to be a multi-year rebuild. And they still have a lot of work to do. They have a lot of roster turnover to, to kind of manage. They... They have to get guys stronger. They have to change some bodies. They've they've got to recruit. There's a long way to go, but this did a lot in helping them get there much quicker because they were on. I mean, they didn't play well, obviously, but they were on the national stage. They were relevant for a month. They were playing national television games against Tennessee and Kentucky. That'll help in recruiting. And there's going to be roster attrition. um, and, And, you know, the team's going to look different next year, but this really expedited what... I think most people saw as a long and I mean, if you're an Ole Miss fan, maybe a painful rebuild and and it, it, you know, you, you had a season of relevancy when you, when you really probably weren't expecting one. So I think, I guess if you're an Ole Miss fan, you're probably just, I mean, to me that the the mindset would be just kind of appreciating what happened because normally by like you would think by, by late January, early February, most people would have already turned the page to baseball and that didn't happen.
0: No, no. And if they did, they've turned it back after watching this baseball team. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 one of the better seasons that Ole Miss has had from a basketball perspective. Look, this, this program doesn't make the NCAA tournament all that regular. I think this is their, what, ninth or tenth appearance in 100 years of basketball. So, yeah, you, if you're an Ole Miss fan, you have to enjoy it look obviously you you wish like i had this debate with some people and you know fans will talk about would you rather lose like that or lose at the buzzer i think if you're an old miss fan you'd rather them be competitive on friday and and lose a three-point game and then maybe get their doors blown off by virginia but you know look it 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 was one of the best seasons from uh from a over expect over one of my overachieving standpoint uh in Miss basketball history frankly and yeah, it, it expediates a lot of what Ole Miss is trying to do. I, I think, frankly, Ole Miss winds up, winds up with Kadeem Sy. I think Ole Miss winds up with Jamie and Brakefield, and, and those are two guys that you put on this team uh, this year, and it's a, it's a completely different team. So uh, I think Ole Miss is, I mean, we'll just, just way too early. We don't know who's going to be on the team and who's transferring, that type thing. But let's just assume for, for kicks and giggles that they do land and they do land Breakfield. Is this a tournament team again next year?
1: Oh, that's tough to gauge so far out because they're. I imagine they're probably going to be in the grad transfer market. What I don't know if that's going. They to They got to get a guard. Him. Yeah, well, yeah, and then they might be in for a big, depending on what happens on some other stuff too, because they have to get depth there. And I don't think Kermit is going to turn directly to Carlos Curry next year and, and completely trust that. Um, think I think the kid will probably. What did say?
0: you say? Uh, you, you think Curry plays for him next year?
1: I think it's maybe in some capacity, but I don't think like you're you're turning over and say, here's 25 minutes a night, you know nah, I, I don't know what that looks like. I don't think they know yet either. So tough to tell. I, I mean that would help them. they would be good. they'd be competitive again. but just kind of putting a bow on it. I mean he, if you look at it this way and I think I texted you this after the game they will it, it like and I wrote this after the game. it's kind of a weird analogy, but my brain just kind of went <laughs> to a weird place on Friday. Kermit moved into a new house, a bigger house, kind of found some stuff in the attic. And didn't you know just some random stuff that didn't necessarily have a rhyme or rhythm to it? Some pieces that didn't fit, and turned it into something that was functional. I mean, you know what I mean? Like he took it to the pawn shop and made a little bit of money. Yeah, so,
0: you, you used a little bit more creative language in your text message, but yeah.
1: Yeah, um, <laughs> well, <laughs> ink to paper, there's got to be some filtering out. Um, but yeah, I mean, he he won SEC Coach of the Year. Like he got asked after the game. If this looked like what he envisioned this program looking like, and he was honest, he said, "No, it never. This team never really looked like how I wanted it," and and he never kind of was able to mold the thing into what he wanted. And that's not a knock on him. He won Kermit. I mean, he won Coach of the Year for a reason. I just wasn't capable. This no. team, as constructed, was not capable of playing the way he wants to play. And so well, I think you'll see a lot more, a closer version of that next year.
0: Everybody, everybody says that, and I agree, but what, what does that look like? If, if you can put that into words, what does that kind of look like, how he wants to play?
1: Uh, I mean, in very, very simple terms, three, four guys on the floor that look like Buffett and Henson, give or take a couple inches, can all are skilled on the perimeter, both offensive and, and defensively, to some degree, and a point guard. Okay,
0: fair and enough. So, so basically positionalist to, basketball. And,
1: And from a mentality, well, yes, that, that, and that's kind of where the league, I mean, that's kind of where basketball is going as a whole from the golden state warriors on down, but that, and probably a team from a mentality standpoint where you don't have to implore them to give energy and effort defensively in a round of 64 game in the NCAA tournament. I mean, that was another flaw of this team. They weren't always like, I'm not going to say they're not, they don't try because they were, I mean, for them, I mean, they're good kids and they, they, they kind of came together and, and overcame a lot, some long odds but they weren't always right emotionally. And you could tell that with, you know, Kermit was imploring them to have some energy after they got down early. And it's like, it's around a 64 game. Like if you're not up trying to crawl back in it at, at, at on that stage, I don't know I don't know what you do.
0: Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, obviously look, when when some kids shots don't go in on that team, uh, it affects their defense and it has to rough their career. And, and that happened on Friday. You know, something that's interesting to me, just kind of looking at box scores, would you like to guess how many free throws Ole Miss shot in their two games combined against Oklahoma and Alabama?
1: Oh, man. Fifteen? Um, Six.
0: <laughs> eight. Eight. Oh, eight. Sorry. They shot eight. They shot and four that on Friday. Because of and the,
1: the, that's not because of the stripes. Uh-uh.
0: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I've, been, not... I've been critical of, of stripes in Ole Miss games this year. I, that was not because of them. Eight free throws.
1: Wow. Eight. That. For Honestly, one of the gosh. best
0: free-throw shooting teams in the country.
1: Yeah, and, you know, really, if you look at I mean, what they were, were they 6-11 in their last 17? Were they? Oof. I didn't want
0: to think about that. Uh, I can look it up. But, was yeah, it, it was and, not. 8 and It wasn't 11? pretty. Maybe. All right, let's see. Probably if I pulled up the basketball schedule and not the baseball schedule. The baseball schedule makes me want to cry, too. Um, Let's see. So they started off three and zero, and then they went zero and four, one and four, two and four, three and four, four and four, four and five, five and five, five and eight, six and eight. They went six and ten in their last
1: sixteen. Okay, so I was close. Yeah, yeah, and that's a product of you know some of who they're playing and and other things. But the point being is just they, you know. They had a really good start, and then they just kind of were what they were, and they pieced it together and had a huge road win at Auburn that really kind of if got you're looking them back tournament. at it now got them into the tournament. And you know, but overall, I mean, we're we're kind of ki- kind of sputtering the tires here on a lot of different versions of the same thing. This team overachieved; they did a lot to to help set the foundation of the program. But it's going to look different next year. And you know, a couple of the guys for for those of you listening, a couple. I mean, you can probably guess some of the obvious <laughs> roster attrition. I have heard some. Different things from different guys. Not really ready to, like, I guess go into any well, of that. Well, it yet. depends
0: on what they sign. I mean, if they don't sign anybody, oh, yeah. only one person has to go. Now, they do have someone that has eligibility has to go. Like, that's not debatable, unless Rodney Howard goes to prep school, because they have four signees and they're only losing three. So if Howard shows, one has to go. And then for every other person they sign, and correct me if I'm wrong here, every other person they sign, someone else has to go.
1: And that's the. Uh, that's the that's the thing here is I don't think they know yet. I think they're still kind of facing some some maybe some difficult decisions. Um, yeah. So yeah. So I'm not sure they know yet. Um, yeah. Uh, but for sure. So I guess we'll I guess kind of moving on from that. What were your overall impressions of of? I guess we'll start with the round of 64. There weren't any upsets really, other than I mean. The biggest upset was probably Liberty over Mississippi State. I was just to say you
0: you give the Flames some credit now.
1: Yeah the 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 fighting Hugh Freeze's (laughs) Um,
0: still still owning Mississippi State Hugh Freeze. Um, I guess my main takeaway is that once Virginia survived Gardner Webb, I think that team's about to win the national title. Like I think Virginia's the best team in the country. They're dismantling Oklahoma right now. Uh, they're beating them by 13, but uh, I've decided that, like, a lead for Virginia, you counted as four. But So it's like 13 times four. They're up 52 because you're not coming back. Uh, well, we forgot. UC Irvine and Oregon both technically pulled upsets.
1: They did. They did. Uh, I guess they're that playing was the right other now. one. You, Oregon, Oregon was, was not an upset, upset in seed only. What was that, spread one and a half? Yeah, so, it was one and a half. So, yeah, and so it was an upset in seed only. Irvine, that's a pretty big upset, but Kansas State, no Dean Wade. That team's – I didn't watch a ton of that game, but the team looked just a little demoralized because that's two years in a row that poor kid hasn't been able to play in the tournament.
0: Yeah, I watched that full game um, for reasons. And UC Irvine was just better than Kansas State. Like every position on the floor. Now, Barry Brown's a really good player uh Irvine was better like Irvine's kid that had on him Irvine plays defense is the thing that that people don't realize they're one of the better defensive teams in the country so that's why they were able to get down to Kansas State's level And they made shots man they just made shots so uh you know you you look at the first round of the tournament I guess we'd be remiss uh I mean UCF is an inch away a millimeter away from sending Duke home like the second shot I thought I swore it was going in I don't know how that didn't go in
1: yeah so well Jumping the gun here a bit, but is there, oh, is there anything else sorry. in the round of 64 uh, that stood out to you? So I mean, no. I love this tournament. This is my favorite, and I'm not alone in this. This is my favorite four days of the year, and I would yeah. say particularly the la- Saturday and Sunday because every game is supposed to be good in some capacity, barring an exception. Like you know, you had North Carolina blow someone out, but in a year where the but where the top teams were really good and the bubble was really weak, the fact that you didn't have a lot of upsets kind of made sense. No, I mean, yeah, in- absolutely. Oh, um, yeah, I mean, a, a really well-coached Vermont team gave a really good Florida State team a run, run for their money. Uh, yeah. Yale, Yale almost... That,
0: that game was not close. Like, that was the biggest four-point blowout I've ever seen.
1: Um, How about what Auburn did in the last couple of minutes against wow. New Mexico State? And then
0: what they did against Kansas. But, yeah, I mean, that was just an absolute choke job by Auburn. And the ball is in the air. And, it, look, it got nowhere close to going in, but it was not because Auburn was guarding the kid. Uh, so just an absolute collapse, and somehow that team finds themselves in the Sweet 16.
1: And if, it, if, like, if there were a – no, this is wrong terminology – but if there were a coming-out party on the national stage for John Morant, what he did against Marquette was unbelievable. So I got, I got back to a restaurant um, after Ole Mrs. game for most of that. And, man, I don't know how much you caught of that. That kid looks special. And they destroyed Marquette.
0: Yeah, well, I, Marquette was one of the more overrated teams in the country throughout the year. But, yes, he was really, really good. And, uh, I mean, look, he's probably he's the best point guard in the country. Uh, everybody talks about, like, Tremont Waters, and he would put Tremont Waters in a to sleep. So, yeah, John Morant's extremely special. I guess we kind of remiss. LSU is is – they're somehow surviving they're going to play in the sweet 16 uh but yeah from the round of 64 not really a ton of storylines i mean yeah not not really much at all considering what's happened on saturday and sunday
1: yeah i mean yeah there just really wasn't and there weren't a ton of great games i mean that that belmont maryland maryland fun yeah um syracuse looked really poor uh against baylor I'm just kind of Iowa going state, through state.
0: Uh, Ohio State gets uh, gets Iowa State, which I was not expecting. I thought Iowa State can make a run in this thing.
1: I did too, but you, there's two different versions of that team, and have yeah, they got to
0: do some soul searching because that team should not have lost in the first round of the tournament. That team should not have been a six seed.
1: Um, you talking about Iowa State?
0: Yes, that team yes. should have been one of the best. That teams. That might have been the
1: heard. biggest. You want to call it, You want to say upset? That might have that Ohio State team that was not that special beating them. That might be the best up biggest upset.
0: Yeah, because because I don't think Iowa State or Ohio State's going to play Houston well tonight. So yeah, I, that Iowa State team. Because look, you could we put Iowa State and Houston on the floor tonight, and that's a lot of fun. Like I don't know who's winning that game. Um, and I would have been shocked yeah, if Iowa State is is in the final four, and yet they don't make it out of the round of sixty four.
1: Another storyline that hits kind of close to home here, from from where I, I was living this summer, Cincinnati and Mick Cronin, man, they
0: got to do some soul searching,
1: right? So he's I mean it's it's undoubted that he's a really good coach that bi- has built a really consistent basketball program, right? Uh-huh. But he's gotten out of the first weekend what? Once now in hey, the last what how many years is it? Do you know?
0: Well, I'm pulling his wiki. Uh does does what you're saying sound familiar? What? With with someone building a really good uh program and not being able to produce in the postseason?
1: Uh yeah, there's more time for that. It's we've got all. Uh, let's
0: see. Cronin made the Sweet 16 in 2012. After that, round of 64, round of 64, round of 32, round of 64, round of 32, round of 32, round of 64. And and in both of his tournament games in 19 and 18, his team was up
1: 15 or
0: so in the second half and lost. I was about to
1: say you remember last year they just absolutely collapsed. Was that last year or two years ago against Nevada?
0: Nevada was last year.
1: Okay. Yeah, just absolutely collapsed. And that was kind of when you were like, oh, Nevada, like that, that, team, that team can play. So, yeah, I, I mean, they they got gotta
0: know you got to know Cincinnati, just kind of getting off topic here for a second, because I pulled up last year's bracket. Okay, Cincinnati is up 20 with about 10 minutes left and blows it. If they win that game, they play Loyola Chicago, who they probably beat, and then play Kansas State. Who they definitely beat are in and are then in the final four. I mean, you, you know, they lose sleep over that.
1: But he's won 89 games in three seasons. And that, and people kind of scoff at that because they view Cincinnati as a quote unquote mid major, even though it's not. But that, if, if the American proved anything, is, is that's a tough league. Oh, I good
0: teams. I think he's so, a good basketball coach for sure. But if you're Cincinnati, like you got something
1: has to give, you know. That's another, the season starts in March next year, I think, for that program. But anyway, that's yeah. That's well. really about all I had for the first round of 64. The round of 32 has been fantastic. I mean, what Auburn did to, Auburn, didn't that feel like an Auburn team that kind of came into their own and is kind of the sharpest they've been from a, you know, I mean, if you look at it, sharpening a knife, they're as sharp as they've been all year and they put a kind of a limping Kansas team out of their misery. They look pissed off. Like they look so, like
0: someone has pissed them off is what they looked like yesterday. Like how dare Kansas take the floor with
1: them. So yeah, that was And they had I, a whole different energy level than Kansas did in that game. I mean when Bryce Brown and Harper hit a couple of threes to start. Good like luck. I, I agree. I mean they had they had a look in their eye and they were playing with an energy to where it was like and Pearl had it too. I don't know what it was, but Man, what they were up 51 25 at halftime. They got outscored mm-hmm. by 12 in the second half. But I mean, that, that, that most I mean, it wasn't a game that most of that is this garbage, yeah, garbage time late. But see, that's an Auburn team where you kept waiting all year like, when are they going to put it together? When are they going to put it together? Are they going to put it together? And in the last two and a half weeks, I don't think anybody wants, wants to face them. No, uh, good luck with that, North
0: Carolina, because. That's, that's a really good matchup, I think, for Auburn because North Carolina doesn't have a, really a big that can take advantage of them. So, yeah, uh, all, the way Auburn played on yesterday, I mean, that was, that, I say that, the best game they played all year was against Tennessee last Sunday. I mean, they just keep coming after the collapse. You know, sometimes that's how it works. You get a little lucky in the first round, and make no mistake, they got lucky. Um, and then, man, you just kind of build off of that. Uh, another thing, you know, we're keeping it on the SEC front is, is they're still alive. But I don't think Tennessee's beating Purdue next week. This Tennessee team is not
1: playing well. Well, that's where I was going to get next is what Carson Edwards did against Villanova oh, was amazing. Fire. Like what, forty-two points, six rebounds, one assist. I mean, lit that team on fire. That's not a very good Villanova team. No, um, that that team is just, they they struggled all year. They struggled to score. But, man, that was impressive. And then LSU-wise, there is something to be said for a team that kind of feels like the world's against them. And I saw someone describe it as they're coaching themselves to a Sweet 16, and I think that's mostly true. But I'd have a hard time doubting Traymont Waters if they get into a one- or two-possession game in the last two-and-a-half minutes.
0: The kid just makes plays. I mean, they blew it yesterday. I mean, Maryland was going to win that basketball game, and Tremont Waters decided that that uh, Maryland was not going to win that basketball game. So yeah, I mean, when you got guards like that man and him and Skylar Maze, you got Naj Reed, I mean, it's you ain't got to do a whole lot of coaching, you know.
1: And FSU, I think I texted you about this. This is the team that I've kind of been bullish on all year. They dismantled Murray State. This is an FSU team that's now a 29 win team. Duke, North Carolina, and Virginia deservedly got most of the hype and the spotlight in the um, in the ACC this year. But that's a Florida State team coming off an Elite Eight that returns a lot of pieces, and they are good.
0: They are very good. They will be going home next week, but they are very good. That's um, a bad matchup for them against Gonzaga because they're they're just usually bigger than everybody else, and you're not going to out big Gonzaga. Um, I'm not yeah, ready
1: to count them out yet, though. I, I I think that'll be a fun basketball game. I
0: think it will be too, but i mean it got florida state beat them last year uh to be completely fair but I, I don't think they're getting them again but yeah florida state is is probably i mean they played duke in the act tournament for 32 minutes they played with duke um and they lost to duke at home on a cam reddish three-pointer so yeah it's can't uh, Flor, what's his name leonard hamilton he's done a heck of a job down there from uh he's, he's got some really good players in there
1: youngest so, looking 70 year old of all time there's no way that man is 70
0: years old but they swear 71 he is. or 72 they swear that man is 71 years old, and I do not believe it. But, yeah. Kentucky. Um,
1: oh, go ahead. Whatever.
0: No, I'm just I'm just saying, like, uh, I think Florida State probably goes home next week, and they've had a heck of a run. Kentucky is just kind of whatever right now. It's just uh, – That's a good
1: Wofford team, though, but poor – I feel bad for Fletcher McGee. Yeah. All-time leading three-point scorer can't 0 hit a shot for 12 in his last game and it's just one of those nights where he can't hit a shot that was a fun basketball game though like most of the time when you get these defensive struggles in college basketball you're kind of like man like can i turn this off this is disgusting but that was actually a pretty <laughs> fun basketball game i mean yeah, yeah. that was one where they, they were running decent offense you just kind of had to earn everything michigan state uh, i thought well, was dangerous i uh, people are going to be thanking kentucky for putting that team out. Cause I think that Wofford team, the way they shoot the basketball would have been really dangerous. And I think if McGee even has a semi average day that Kentucky's probably not still around.
0: Uh, yeah. Um, cause cause you know, and, and what I guess is interesting going forward is, is Washington going to play? Cause this is a totally different team. If, T- if PJ Washington is not available.
1: Yeah, I agree. And you saw that when he missed it, miss he, he missed some time earlier this year. I don't remember how many games, um, no, 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 he no, it was it was Travis that missed it. Yes, yeah, retravis for time. most of the year. Yeah. So Florida gets beat by Michigan. Mike White just didn't have the offensive firepower. How the Kavon Allen's regression as a player from when he was a freshman and sophomore to the end is mystifying. I don't I don't get that. But I think Mike White actually did a pretty good job with the he team did. those pieces just never developed into kind of what he might have thought they were gonna be. Michigan State Blitz is a not very good Minnesota team. Gonzaga puts away Baylor. Um, today's when you really had most of the fireworks. I mean, Tennessee goes up twenty-five against Iowa. Or Sunday, yeah. excuse me. Twenty. Tennessee goes up twenty-five against Iowa. That game gets to overtime. Tennessee just they decide to hold the ball for thirty seconds into the shot clock. The entire second half looked just completely dysfunctional <laughs> offensively. Nearly blew the game.
0: I mean, well, no, they did blow the game. Um, Iowa State ha- or Iowa had a shot to win the game and missed it and they went to overtime and and i don't know if you watched admiral Schofield did not play and And i didn't understand
1: i was i meant to look into that is there ever an explanation
0: yeah because he took a three with about 27 seconds left on the shot clock when they were up three with with under a minute left um and rick barnes took a timeout and put him on the bench and that was it for admiral Schofield that day
1: but that's your Best, yeah, I'm best with player you. Player in a tournament it's game, March, like man. really going We're
0: not sending messages anymore.
1: I get that, but I wonder that I was killing them inside with what I can't even pronounce that kid's name. But they were going to him almost every possession in the second half. I wonder if that's part of it that he didn't like the matchup there. I mean, I get like. I mean, he wasn't obviously saving him in overtime with four fouls or the end regulation. Right. I I think it's. I I guess it was a combination of a lot of things there. That was a fun game. North Carolina destroyed Washington. Duke UCF game of the day. I feel so bad for. Yeah, I mean that was a fantastic basketball game. UCF was better than Duke was today. I mean, I'll. I'll. I. I feel pretty comfortable saying that everything that had to go right for Duke in the last, say, 90 seconds for them to win, went right. I mean, yeah, just
0: – The missed free throw, that's going to haunt them. Because you're you're, you're going to get last shot to win the game or go to overtime. Now, look, you probably don't win in overtime, but in no scenario did you ever consider Duke winning the game in regulation, and yet Duke wins the game
1: in regulation. What is it, Reddish? Was it Reddish or Barrett that picked up the offensive rebound? So Zion goes right after the yeah. fall questionable charge before he gets to taco i i think i don't mind them letting him play on there no zon gets the n1 to tie the game at 76 but he misses the free throw that would have tied the game uh barrett puts it back up 77 76 got a great look at the end i can't believe dawkins put back did not go in i mean that thing was halfway down
0: yeah you thought that one was going in for sure and that ucf was going to put out duke and uh, the best Duke team ever was not going to play in the in Sweet 16, but there they are. They're still standing, and, and Zion Williamson is going to play – who are they going to play? Uh, let's see. The Duke is Tech, playing Virginia Tech team. So uh, Duke will beat Virginia Tech, and I think we're going to get Duke LSU, and we've kind of talked about that for a while. That That's going to be
1: fun. That is going to be fun. Yeah, I wish Will Wade were on the sideline, but that would be fun. That's going to yeah, be fun. I don't fun.
0: really think it matters. Like, <laughs> Nas going guards on, and there we go.
1: So, and yeah, and UCF that was a team with the last, I would say, second to last last week of February. You weren't sure they were they were going to make the tournament because they had two bad losses to Memphis. They couldn't really finish. Against Cincinnati or Houston the first time round, then gets a road win at Houston, beats Cincinnati in the year to punch their ticket. That team really found itself at the end of the year, and um Aubrey Dawkins can play. Yeah, that kid and, is unbelievable. And Johnny Dawkins is a heck of a basketball coach. He is. He is a good coach. And that was really about all the drama today. Buffalo was seemed a little bit fraudulent. Texas Tech destroyed them. Liberty Who's gave the it most all the fraudulent
0: they- team of this tournament. Is it Nevada?
1: I don't know about fraudulent because you could see it going in that Nevada was just very out of sync and had not been playing well for like three yeah. or four weeks. Fraudulent. Uh, I mean, Iowa Buffalo State? has got to be up there. Iowa State. Maybe. I mean, I, I, I don't want to say Kansas at this point because I don't think anyone no,
0: you any knew what Kansas, Kansas was. Said. Kansas quit on the floor yesterday.
1: <laughs> it might be. Beat Tennessee, and you sounds weird to be saying a team that makes the there. second week in the tournament, but they're still there. But they're not playing very well. If they get put out in the Sweet Sixteen, that might be a little bit like, okay, you thought this team might go in at all, but I don't know. But. The Sweet 16 is going to be fantastic. I mean, you have fives. Like it went from uh, it went from most people thinking Duke, Gonzaga, and everyone else who can kind of match up with them to where there's five or six teams right now playing really, really good basketball. I mean, whether it's Purdue, whether it's Florida State, whether it's you know, I mean, you can't really count LSU out without as less them. Sweet 16 is going to be awesome.
0: It's going to be great. And while you – these are the best four days of the year from a a sports perspective. The Sweet 16 is really good basketball. Like you kind of get everybody out that doesn't – because I don't guess there's going to be a Cinderella besides the uh, Irvine and Oregon winner. And who do they play if they win? Oh, see, they're going to go home because then they're playing Virginia in the Elite Eight or the Sweet 16, and they're not winning that game. Virginia low-key got a decent path to to the Final Four because I really do think – I think they're going to light UC Irvine or Oregon on fire – and I think that's a pretty good matchup for them with Purdue or Tennessee.
1: I would agree with that. I I, I mean, Virginia – and once, like you said, once they got past the – I was in the building still writing when Radford went up early. Or was it Radford Gardner or Gardner-Webb? Gardner-Webb. Gardner Web. Did Duke play Radford?
0: No. Radford – Gardner-Webb beat Radford to make the tournament.
1: So who did Duke play? Duke played uh, North Dakota State University. Okay. So – don't really know where my brain was going on that one. Point <laughs> being is what? So I'm in there, and you—I wasn't even watching the game, but you could sense just a strange vibe in the building. I mean, it's on the TVs and like the media workroom, and everyone's just kind of—no one's really talking, but everyone's kind of obviously thinking to themselves, like, "Is this? There's my no way again? this happens again, right?" <laughs> I mean, it, it was bizarre. It and they're down so, fourteen, and you're like, "What? Really?" <laughs> Yeah, like how does this happen again? And then they just kinda trolled everybody by demolishing them in the <laughs> I second. Half and looking, that. Yeah, I mean they looked like, exactly like they were supposed to for what the last twenty what twenty two, twenty three minutes
0: yeah, of the game? Just like the like, second half. Like like Gardner Webb got like eight points in the second half.
1: That place it had a other than Virginia fans it had some Gardner I uh some, uh, Gardner Webb fans, and then kind of a random assortment from people just kind of hanging around, or people maybe waiting on Duke later that night, and that place was going bonkers when Gardner Webb was making shots. I mean, it was—it well, felt that, like you were They're, they're from
0: South again. Carolina, right, Gardner Webb? Yes, I'm they, pretty sure. Yeah,
1: I think South Carolina, or maybe right on the state line. I'm not sure. That's one of the bigger challenges in this tournament is trying to find where the 15 and 16 teams are on the map. Um, they did <laughs> that. They did that. that. Simple. They did that with Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith on a halftime segment the other night. They they tried to get him to guess the state and the mascot, and it was it was fantastic. Is um, Barkley
0: like one of the funniest humans on this planet? Because I enjoy him so much.
1: Wofford just succeeded. They asked him to, They asked him where Wofford was, and he goes, "Uh, is it Wofford, South Carolina?" And they're like, "Nope, not even close." Wait, really? It's not. No, it's uh, Spartanburg sure if you say so yeah exactly but like (laughs) just Wofford South Carolina Uh, oh Barkley is great that's what I I don't usually agree much with what Clay Travis said but he said letting Barkley and Kenny Smith call Call the game that's a fantastic idea I wish they would (laughs) let that happen um
0: that would be great do we want to talk about this baseball team or not I don't really want to to be honest with you
1: I mean, yeah, let's do it. I didn't, I, admittedly, I didn't watch much of this weekend. I mean, Friday I, I was working, Saturday, riding back with, with my dear friend Benjamin Garrett. Um, and then Sunday, just had some other stuff going on and moving some stuff from house to house. How's caught that going? Caught bits and pieces on the, I, terribly, but it, it's it's getting done. <laughs> um, caught bits and pieces on the radio. So what Friday Ole miss, I mean, in summation, Will Etheridge deserved a little better fate. Yeah, they, absolutely
0: did. One of the non-told storylines of this season so far is how good he's been.
1: He has been good. And that was something where – so he's done a little bit of a lot for this team in a couple years. And yep. then he had of the entire offseason to kind of refine some of his stuff behind his fastball to prepare to be the guy. And he's delivered in every capacity.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you look at him. He's got an SEC play. He's got a point seven seven ERA. He's striking out eleven hitters per nine innings. I mean, he is the definition of what an ace looks like. And frankly, he's been a little bit unlucky. Uh, he's got like a three eighty BABIP against. I mean, it, it, he has been the definition of an ace. And frankly, if he did, if he was not the definition of an ace, I don't know where Ole Miss is right now.
1: And so I, I, I again, I, I Friday night, not not a second watch, but. So they struggle against another lefty, and then I read Shocking. that they had a bases loaded situation in the fifth, no one out, top of the order, and don't score.
0: Yeah, correct. Um, they Sub-optimal. hit a kid. Yeah, well, that happens when you lead off the kid that's hitting uh, .071 against left-handed pitching. This will shock you. He struck out. That's not his fault. He shouldn't be there. He should be in the bottom of the order because he can't hit left-handed pitching. And then you referring to, fair, to
1: just for those at home that may not have that off the top of their head. Anthony Servidio, sorry. Um, and
0: then Greg Kessinger, look, Greg, that was not Gray's fault. He had a 10-pitch at bat, and he smokes a ball right at the second baseman, 4-6-3 double play, ends the inning. Where the inning was lost was in Servidio's strikeout, and that's not fair to him. Anthony Servidio is a very good baseball player. Um, but that that was where the inning was lost. You had to put a ball in play and get them home there and avoid the situation where a double play gets out of the inning, and they didn't. And that's where Ole Miss lost his baseball game, was not
1: being able to get a single run out of that. So it sounds like well pitched, well played game for the most part. Sure. It almost just kind of takes one on the chin because the the, the offense scuffles. Um, yep. Saturday they found something at Doug Nikesi, and this they is something did. that most I mean, a lot of people, you and I included, have been on for a month, that this was going to happen in some capacity as Zach Phillips continued to struggle. It just like Zach Phillips being good against UAB almost did them a disservice. Because Absolutely. Mike didn't feel like he could feel like making that move to the rotation for the Alabama series. And it cost them, a, I don't want to say directly cost them a game, but like, you know, it, they would have been better off if they had done it a week earlier, if not sooner. And so he pitches well. Um, what's his lo- What is his line? Lo- he goes seven? Uh, went 7.2, gave up two hits, I think.
0: And then Kreise comes in to finish it out. Um, yeah, I mean, really, really efficient. I think he threw 115 pitches and kind of got stronger as the day went on. He was really good.
1: And he's a talented kid, be- and, and he knows how to com- Like It's cliche he's to say he knows how to compete, but he is composed and he knows how to attack hitters, and he is confident yep. in what he's doing.
0: Yeah, and and he's really he's going to be really good for Ole Miss because he's not throwing as hard as he can. So uh, Ole Miss is well, I say that Ole Miss is going to get some velocity somehow in this program. Everybody's losing velocity nowadays, but. If they can add miles per hour to his fastball, he's going to be unhittable because he, he, his fastball has a good bit of cutting action, and he sawed a lot of guys off on, uh, on Saturday, and that's what really gave him a lot of success. Ole Miss kind of handled uh, Sycamore. They had really good at-bats. I think it was honestly their best performance against a left-handed pitcher on Saturday. They, uh, they put up three runs. I know that's obviously not a ton, but T.J. Sycamore is going to throw Major League Baseball innings. So it was it was really good play, play discipline by that team. To, uh, to get those three runs. And, and sometimes you just have to win low-scoring contests because of what the other team presents on the mound.
1: And at the time, you're sitting there thinking if you're Ole Miss, that was a big day for them because yep. they figure out something on Saturday. Hoagland showed signs of improvement and kind of figuring out on Sunday. So you're like, okay, you know, if they get can out get of here the bat going more consistently, they can kind of, can, can kind of get it rolling because you feel pretty good. About, I mean, Etheridge Nikhazy is a really good one-two punch for Absolutely. them. Absolutely. And then they have a really – could, could, this Sunday game could end up being a very costly setback for this team. I know it's just one game, but with the schedule they have in front of them, Hoagland was not good. Um,
0: Is it time to consider making a change there? I know he was good against Alabama, but it, he's not giving them much on Sunday, Sands, that one outing.
1: Where are you going, though? Houston Roth
0: going? has been really good over his last two outings. I know it's four innings, but he's given up one hit in four innings. Ole Miss has got to have Houston Roth be successful if this team wants to do anything. So I think we he's talked not, about he's that a game. couple
1: of weeks ago, too. That guy's stat line at the end of the year is the most interesting most telling one as to far where this team went. And yeah. you're probably on to something there. But like Yeah, and I mean,
0: think I think it shores up some midweek stuff if you can put Hogland on Tuesday. Because I, I just think it's it's probably time to visit whether he needs to stay in the rotation or not.
1: What does the pin look like, though? I mean, I guess it's still mainly attack you're still kind of riding Miller, Chofi, Caracy. Green. G- green.
0: Um, that's kind of it, though. I'm looking at SEC numbers right now. Um, yeah. I mean, Olenek. They're going to have to get innings out of Olenek. So Which is obscene, but I mean, not, nothing against Olenek, but that was not the plan going into the year. Uh, but, yeah, Austin Miller, Max Trophy, uh, Connor Green, and Parker Crisey are about it that you trust in the bullpen
1: right now. Which is doable to some degree. Like yeah. You can get through weekends that way. But So, Hoagland has a setback, and then things, I guess, got weird after that. You'll put it that Connor way. Connor so Green was not –
0: yeah, Connor Green comes in, and he was not as bad as his numbers. They hit two little squibbers, and he gets in a tough situation, and the rain comes, or the lightning comes, and first and second. And Green, had, he'd gotten out of the inning before, so he's probably at 35 pitches. And the lightning comes, it's first and second, one out. And everybody, there's a right-handed hitter coming up. And everybody just expects Max Chofey is coming into the game. Max Chofey pitched well on Sunday. Houston Roth pitched well on Sunday. And you look up, and somehow Zach Phillips has taken the ball and is pitching. And I, it just made no sense. A
1: kid that has not come out of the bullpen in Division One baseball.
0: And you're asking him to come in with, with runners on base and get out. And, and, and his control, God bless him, is not there. He has not his been confidence. consistent. His confidence is not there. And you somehow ask this kid to come into that. That's, that's not fair to the kid. Um and somehow Ole Miss does that. The kid gives up four I think he gives up two runs on his own. He gives up two of Green's runs. And Ole Miss is out of the game at that point. I mean frankly, Ole Miss fell down seven to three and that the game was essentially over at that point.
1: And on top of that, radio was saying that after just the first lightning strike in the first thirty minute, twenty five minute lightning delay, Green was getting hot and going to come back in, but obviously he gets hot another time. Yeah, he couldn't come and back in to go back down. So you now not only do that, but you ask, on top of all that, that's what you asked Phillips to do between the lightning strike one and two. Yeah,
0: 30 minutes. I mean, I, I guess that's enough time to get loose, whatever. But you're asking a kid to do something he has not done all year, and it's just not fair um, to, to that kid to do it. Look. I mean, if, if we're just going to be real, this has been a butcher job of uh, managerial decisions over the last few weeks, and it's frankly costed Ole Miss baseball games. The decision to throw Austin Miller on Friday night is one that doesn't get talked about, but he threw Austin Miller 41 pitches on Friday night in a game that Ole Miss, uh, he came in when Ole Miss was behind, and Ole Miss never took the lead, and Bianco just kept sending him back out there. So, you know, it's, it's not been good from a managerial perspective with decisions that have been made for sure.
1: So, where does this – what does it look like from here? Because they go to Arkansas next weekend, which – You better not get swept. They're just trying to win a game there, are they not? Yeah, Maybe I mean, Arkansas not, you five I mean. and one
0: in the SEC. You can't get swept, man. You you leave Arkansas at 4-5, and five and you're coming home to play Florida. And, look, Florida is 1-5. You think
1: gonna they're going to figure out to some degree.
0: They're Florida. They got talent. They will figure it out. And, and, and I guess the same could be said about Ole Miss. But my God, at some point you would think that, that they're going to put it together. And, and frankly, that's just not happening right now. So, yeah, you, you go into Fayetteville, frankly, needing to avoid getting swept. You know, if you were to win a series, you're kind of back where you need to be. But it, uh, it's kind of it's, it's not where Ole Miss expected to be about two months ago, to put it lightly.
1: No, and then so after Kentucky's really struggling. So after like we'll just kind of go through the next little bit. So obviously at Arkansas next weekend, we mentioned Florida. That's not an easy stretch for this team. They catch a little bit of a breather with Kentucky coming into town, but after that, it's off to the races. It's yep. at Auburn, it's A and M, it's at LSU, it's State and Tennessee to end the year. Like well, let's do let's do this. If you're they below go- five hundred at that point, oh god, oh boy.
0: Well, the thing is, okay, they go to Arkansas, they come home and play Florida, they come home and play Kentucky. What do they have to go to fix this, to, uh, to get back to where everybody thought they would be before the season? What has to be the record over the next nine? Um, Six and
1: three. Three, three? That's what I was about to get to, but you're, you're better at math than me, because I'm going – they need to win one at Arkansas. They need to win two of three against Florida and sweep Kentucky. So that's six yeah. and three, is it not? Yeah,
0: and you you're, if you are not in six after Kentucky, you are okay because uh, you go to Auburn, you play State at home, or you guys play A and M at home. I mean, you you you've still got everything in front of you at that point, man. If you show up in at that Auburn series and you are less than eight and seven, you are in trouble. You are in absolute trouble, and I am talking about making the postseason at that point. You got, Nothing is guaranteed with if you show up to Auburn 7-8. and eight.
1: So what is the number one thing that has to happen with this team like to rectify things? Because it seems like there's a lot of different moving and non-functioning parts here. And what I mean is, first, it's the Saturday pitching that's costing them. They seem to have shored that up. Offense still is not hitting lefties. Hoagland sputters again. I mean, it seems like they're just kind of you know, plugging different holes that slowly keep coming unplugged.
0: The easy answer is the offense has to return to what it should be. The offense is better than it's performing. Um I'm not sure some of these pitchers are better than what they're performing, but the offense certainly is. We saw it last year. The way this gets fixed is frankly, they start hitting again. They start they start winning a game that they lost eight to five today. They start winning that game ten to eight. Um, they win the game against Alabama ten to eight that's what has to happen with this team and its lack of experience on the mound because look the first four relievers that we mentioned a while ago I think can get outs in this league pretty consistently can have good numbers going forward but man you're gonna have to win games where you score 10 runs you're gonna have to I mean state Mississippi State won a game 20 to 15 today Ole Miss right now is not capable of doing that so at some point this offense is going to have to be what we thought it was and or yeah what we thought it was and it's just not right now so that's the fix is the offense gets back to form and and they start mashing balls all over the par- all over the place other than that i don't really know how you go about fixing it
1: yeah so i mean i guess it's just that did they cuz i mean it, is it really going to change what they do like from a number standpoint a sample size over the rest of the season how many games less it, is it really going to change what they do against lefties or they just kind of got to know that when a lefty's on the mound it's you better pitch it yep yeah.
0: I don't. I don't think there is. I, I think at this point you are what your numbers. And I know it's a small sample size. I've got it pulled up right here. Ole Miss against left-handed pitching is hitting 244 with a 340 on-base percentage, a 310 slugging, and a 650 OPS. That is atrocious. So, um, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess th- that's a pretty good way to put it. Yeah, I mean, that's just atrocious. So I think at this point, now look, they've got some guys that handle lefties well. Tyler Keenan's got a, no, not Tyler Keenan. Kohl has got a 782 OPS. He handles lefty well. Lefty's okay. Dillard's not great. But he's 783. Olenix at 946. These are all OPSs. And Cooper Johnson's at 846. Everybody else is below 700. Um, so it's just a situation where I don't know if it's an improvement thing or if just when you face a lefty like John Duxakas or Ethan Small from Mississippi State, you better be able to pitch it. Now the good news for Ole Miss is most of the lefties they are going to face are on Friday nights, so you're going to have your you're going to have your ace on the mound and Will Etheridge that can maybe hold them down.
1: Yeah, and that does help them a good bit. That's a good thing. That's that's a good point there because. You know, if they their Kryptonite is going to be facing a left-hander on Sunday, right? Yeah. I mean, like if if, if someone throws out a lefty on Sunday, which I mean, don't you think it might reach a point where teams, you know, because you have a lot of teams in this league that kind of never figure things out on Sunday, and it's kind of a sliding door to some degree. Don't you have teams that start intentionally start starting lefties because of that? Oh,
0: against Ole Miss, absolutely. Now the problem with that is not every team. Like and I've had a lot of people suggest that. Not every team just has a lefty. Like they no, have. No, that's one hundred
1: percent true. But if you like, yeah. you see what I'm saying. You catch a team that hasn't shored up its Sunday situation when they're deciding between maybe a left-handed kid that struggled or a right-handed kid that struggled. Oh, that Maybe has both done it. Yeah, they're, and that's so, that's that's going to be bad news. No matter how bad the kid struggled, it seemed like.
0: Yeah. So, and, and that goes back to you better get Sunday shored up. Um, and and I, think, I think Ole Miss probably owes Gunnar Hogland another start. But I think it's sure. kind of that situation with, with Zach Phillips, when, where he was against UAB and where he was against Alabama. If it doesn't go well, I, I, I think at some point you've got to make a move there. Uh, just because, man, look, in this league, you can't go 2.2 innings. And with this bullpen, the way it's performing right now, you can't go 2.2 innings on Sunday. That can't happen. It's so, a much
1: thinner bullpen than they had probably anticipated. And what's really, and this is a moot point to continue to harp to, to keep hammering home, but not to give the staff credit in this sense, but having to figure this out on the fly with two guys, not contributing to your baseball team, hardly at all. And Jordan Fowler and literally not at all. And Gert Holston that you thought were going to be in court, important Cogs is hard to do.
0: Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, they, they counted on those guys to give them innings. And, frankly, they're just not getting it. They're not getting the opportunities right now probably because they're – I mean, look, I mean, let's just keep this real. If those guys could help this baseball team – Mike Bianco's got his faults, but I'm betting if they could help this baseball team, they'd be on the mound. Um, and and they're just not. So, yeah, uh, it, it's it's tough on that coaching staff to be able to fill these holes because right now you've got about three guys or four guys out of that bullpen that you trust to get out. And that's hard to win, man.
1: So I think that about puts a bow on it. It'll be an interesting week for baseball. What they go to Memphis for a midweek game, I, that, that's always interesting. You get to go uh, eat uh, some barbecue at AutoZone. AutoZone is, I like sitting at AutoZone, it's an enjoyable park. They usually have barbecue for, for a meal. Memphis, nice. So then they go to Arkansas. I do not believe I will be heading to that series. I don't know yet, but um, we're still figuring that probably, out. So, probably.
0: Oh wait, that's this weekend. I was thinking I played Florida this weekend. Yeah, that's this weekend.
1: Yeah. So interesting week ahead for baseball. It's kind of full on baseball mode now. With basketball ending, we'll have some you know roster attrition news. I'm sure in the next couple weeks, and we'll, well you got keep some it spring on football that.
0: too. Now, I don't forget uh, about that.
1: Yeah, spring game coming up sometime in the spring. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's about all we got. There will be a spring football game on a Saturday. Um, we will have maybe. more spring football coverage though, going forward. Now it's just difficult to balance when you've got basketball playing meaningful basketball in February, March baseball, getting cranked up and then spring football just, is just kind of there in the midst seat. of it too. So yeah. we'll have more spring football coverage coming forward. Absolutely. You know, it's easier to turn attention towards that when you don't have so much going on. Because um, there are some interesting stuff like I don't think you're never going to I don't think you're ever going to figure out what the offense and defense is going to necessarily look like from the spring game. But as far as some personnel stuff where you see kids kind of coming along, there's a lot of newness there and you might figure some stuff out with that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Rich Rod and, and, and Mike and Tyre are, are installing some stuff. So it's uh, going forward. It's it's going to be. You know, interesting what, what they do from an installation standpoint, what you kind of see in the spring game. I guess real quick, um, if anybody cares, I kind of do. The uh, softball team moved to 3-2 and two in the SEC. They uh, have more SEC wins than the baseball team at this point. So uh, they're playing well. Mike Smith's done a good job over there. But I guess that's kind of about it, unless you uh, have anything else.
1: Gronk retired. What a sad day for the yeah, number 69. nine. Yeah.
0: Six, six nice, nice. Uh, <laughs> But, yeah, rest in, rest in peace, Gronk. He was he the best tight end ever? I kind of think oh, he Oh, man,
1: I don't – I mean, he's – I'm not very old, obviously, neither are you, but he, I think he's the best tight end I've ever seen. Yeah. And, really, I'm, when you talk about the great tight ends, we've seen pieces of – just, I mean, I'm thinking Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, a lot of their careers, but that guy's dynamic, and that guy never disappeared in a big game that he was healthy enough to play in.
0: Absolutely not. That was the problem, though. He couldn't stay healthy because they took out his knees. Poor guy. Um, But, yeah, I think he's the best tight end. He's one of the most dominant football players that that I've seen in a long
1: time. And just uh, a funny – like just a he's it's, it's He's such an interesting character in this whole story that is the Patriots dynasty because it's all business, do your job. Buttoned up Belichick, super buttoned up Tom Brady, and then you just kind of have this goofy guy <laughs> that's you know making sixty nine jokes at his weekly press conferences that they couldn't they couldn't do a lot of what they've done without him.
0: Yeah, yeah, and what of one of the funnier guys in the National Football League. So uh, I think you're going to start seeing that. Not to not to get too far off topic, but you know Gronk's not old, and I think you're going to start seeing a lot a lot of guys retire early like Gronk did.
1: Sure. And it's good that he got because, you know, Belichick is the king of cutting guys a year before they exit their prime when he gets kind of, you know, before their value drops. And it's good. Good for him that he's getting to retire as a Patriot versus having, you know, go play one or two pointless seasons in Tampa Bay and just kind of add that weird part to your legacy.
0: Sure. Yeah. And the Patriots are all about efficiency. And and, uh, so, yeah, it's nice that he avoided that
1: god and they have a ton of draft picks this year like if yeah, they ever figure they out brady's successor it's this train could literally just keep rolling and rolling oh, I mean, and rolling. brady's gonna
0: play till he's 60 so
1: so that's about all we got for colin brister i'm brian scott rippy we'll be back wednesday back on a normal schedule it's been crazy the last couple weeks for travel but we'll be back on our monday wednesday friday schedule for the foreseeable future but for now we appreciate listening and good Night, morning, afternoon, whenever it is you're listening. Thanks for listening.
0: Peace. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.